to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, COVID, resilience, emergency management, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find me at LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick on there, so I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. I am speaking at three conferences later this year, October 4th to 6th, Continuity Insights in Minneapolis, November 3rd to 4th, BCI World Virtual, and December 1st to 2nd, Continuity and Resilience Today Conference in Toronto. Now, hopefully, um, I can travel for, for those and be on site, but we'll see what happens because it's that time again where we're talking with Regina Phelps, who is going to give us nothing but wonderful good news this month, right? Hi, Regina. Oh, Alex, you know, that's a broken record, isn't it? I just always feel with my clients, I'm really sorry if I'm going to ruin your day, but I might ruin <laughs> people's today. <laughs> you know, the, this is the uh, 17th time, 17th month in a row, we've, we've talked about uh, something related to COVID. COVID itself, I'm afraid we're going to have 17 more months at this at the rate we're going, Alex. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I don't want 17 more hours. You know, I know. Or days, let alone weeks or months. I know, you know. I know. I know. So what can I say? Let's get started. I think everyone, you can see uh, Regina's screen here. Regina, why don't you talk about uh, the Delta variant? Well, great. Thanks, Alex. As always, it's great to be with you. And as we talked about earlier, because there's just so much to talk about, we've just, I just felt it was easier if we use a deck and we'll do our usual back and forth conversation, but a deck is going to drive it instead of just us chatting. So I'm just going to dig right in here. And here's really what I'd like to share with our audience today in the 48 minutes or whatever it is that we have. Uh, I'm going to talk quickly about coronavirus as a primer, where we are now, the variants. I want to talk about long COVID and I want to talk about vaccines and myths because that's becoming an increasing issue worldwide. Mm -hmm. and then things to think about going forward. Um, Just a quick really primer, and the reason this is important is because it helps you understand the vaccines. If you don't understand them, it makes it more problematic. So the coronavirus, of course, we've talked about this many times, is an upper respiratory and gastrointestinal illness. Not just the lungs, it's not just the flu, Um, but it's believed that coronavirus is actually, uh, there's seven of them, uh, actually create most of the common colds around the world, and they um, are uh, increasingly problematic. So here's the seven types of coronaviruses. The first four that you see there have been circulating in the human population for a very long period of time, and they are one of the most common reasons for the common cold globally. There is SARS, of course, which only existed for 18 months, and then it disappeared. Uh, MERS, which has existed since 2012, but is very hard to get, which is good because it has a 35% case fatality rate. And then, of course, there's um, our famous SARS-CoV-2. The reason I wanted to sort of start here is because I wanted just to remind our listeners, especially in his relationship to how the vaccines work and some of the myths 
what this is. So it, it, the coronavirus is an RNA virus. It's not a DNA virus, which means some of the myths say that it, we, this, uh, some of the vaccines will impact your DNA. No, it's a totally different part of your genetics. So the SARS-CoV-2 is a single strand, quite long, of an RNA virus. And our cells contain RNA, but our genes, what makes Alex, Alex, is in your DNA, and they do not cross-pollinate. And so that sort of rules out some of those myths that you've heard. The way that the coronavirus assembles itself is it's got this big crown, which everybody has seen for a long time now. But why this is important to understand from a vaccine perspective is that the spikes on the crown is what allows that virus to actually get into your cells. And it's like a key and a lock. So that spike will get into what's called an ACE2 cell in your body. And what makes this so different than the flu, which people always used to compare it to, is that in our body, we have ACE2 cells everywhere, in our Mm -hmm. lungs, our intestines, every artery, every vein, uh, your entire muscular cellular system. So that's why when you look at long COVID, which we'll talk about later on, that's why this thing impacts so many places of your body is because of what it does. So it's a key and a lock and that spike connects to any of your ACE2 cells. So we've been talking about mutants and variants for a long time, but now that the Delta is really overtaking the world, which is the first uh, variant that has done that successfully in only about four months, um, mm-hmm. again, viruses mutate all the time. But a variant is different. A variant is where it is changed in the fixed human population that's transmitting the disease. And it's different and more powerful. It's muscled out all of the competitors, which is what Delta is doing really well worldwide. And the problem with variants is it has four qualities that could be problematic. One is it can be more infectious. Delta is substantially more infectious. Uh, more deadly. In some studies, Delta is a little bit more deadly. It can reduce the effectiveness of vaccine. In some studies, Delta is decreasing the effectiveness of vaccines. And lastly, it can also undermine PCR testing, which is the common test that most people have done. Currently, right now, Delta does not do that, but it does the top three. And the only way that you actually stop variants from uh, moving about the population is to stop transmission. I mean, that is the way it works. How, so, uh, oh, sure. I just want to ask a question on that because you're you're filling in, I think, a lot of um, questions and a- answering a lot of questions and filling in a lot of blanks some people have. Sure. And uh, I was just wondering, how does a variant come to be? Mm. Great question. So the way a variant will become come to be will be often in one of two ways. One is what's called a persistent infection. There are some people that get coronavirus, even if they have seemingly recovered from it, like in long COVID, that they are still reproducing this variant in their body or in this virus in their body. Now, this, the thing about a persistent infection, the long it, the, as long as it is reproducing in your body, you know, it's a sloppy reproducer. 
And so every time it's making a new copy of itself, it doesn't do it perfectly. And so it's throwing out all kinds of different variants all the time, uh, mutations all the time. But sometimes that mutation is really good. I mean, it's a well-crafted mutation. And it then if I have that mutant in my body and I happen to come in contact with you, I pass it along to you and it goes, Ooh, I'm an Alex. And, you know, next thing you know, Alex then passes it to somebody else. So it's the fact that it actually continues in this persistent infection person. The other example of it is the people that are immunocompromised. So people that are on cancer therapy, HIV drugs, who have an autoimmune disease, they can actually have the same kind of problem where they have this persistent infection. And that's it, is that you become a laboratory. You're constantly spewing out all of these mutations. And because of that, you have a really good chance of being able to shoot out a more successful variant. It's all, it's all about the numbers in the game is really what it is. Right. Great question. Thank you for asking that. Uh, and the variants of concern, these are the ones that are legally, the variants of concern as far as who is concerned, alpha, which came out of the UK, beta, which came out of South Africa, gamma, which came out of Brazil, and then delta, which is in India. There are other variants of interest, which means they have not progressed to this higher echelon, but uh, the ones that we're really focused on are the variants of concern, and certainly delta is the big winner. So where are we now? I'll briefly talk about uh, where we are in the world, but I'm going to ask you to give us our Canadian update as you always do. Where are we in the world in Canada? Well, I, actually, I've just got one question. Um, sure. Because on that last slide, you, you gave us information of where some of these variants came from. Yeah. Does climate have anything to do with where these came from? That's because a really great U question. UK is obviously not the same as India. Yep. Um, Japan is different than South Africa. So... I'm just curious, Great question. does climate have anything to do with it? <clears throat> the answer is no. There's a lot of people that originally thought that this this virus ha would have seasonality to it, which means that you would, it would be passed more in the winter or in the summer or whatever. And this particular virus spreads regardless of where it is in the latitude and longitude, uh, what the temperature is, and also what the uh, day, uh, lights, uh, light, you know, during the day, none of those things seem to have, or the humidity has any effect. It seems to, when it, you have a successful variant, it seems to pass very well, regardless of longitude, latitude, humidity, um, and temperature, which is a bummer, which is a yeah. complete bummer, <laughs> right? Well, Just, well, I remember when it, back in, um, February, March, you know, when it started last year, people were saying, oh, when it'll all go away because heat right. will kill it. Right. Or, and then it became, it'll go away because winter, the cold will kill it. Right. And so that, that's why I was wondering. Yeah. And I, and I just actually have talked to recently uh, some very well-known epidemiologists about this very issue and what they always used to describe as seasonality. Now that this virus is making them re consider all of those things because this is mm. not acting like anything like, like the flu, for example. Right. Uh, it is a different, different animal, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. So tell, tell us what's happening in your world, Canada. Well, here we have uh, 1.425 uh, million or have had, sorry, 1.425 <clears throat> million cases with uh, 26 and a half thousand deaths. Overall, our case numbers are going down, deaths are going down, uh, hospitalizations are going down. Uh, there are a few hot spots, 
mm-hmm. um, that are related to the Delta variant, actually, that mm-hmm. are starting to go up in uh, Alberta, BC, uh, out on the west, mm-hmm. uh, and Saskatchewan, which is you know it, the middle of the country, but considered kind of part of the west as well, and mm-hmm. Nova Scotia, which <coughs> is east, which uh, some people may not know, but that's by Maine, you mm-hmm. know, uh, on the east coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're having a few um, challenges. Um, I, I did want to say before I forget that some people are saying that maybe the uh, Delta variant is going up in Alberta and BC because of all the wildfires and all the movement of people that's going on all oh. of a sudden. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not, and it hasn't been proven, but uh, I thought it was a rather interesting comment for somebody to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And vaccines. First dose, we are over 70% now of the Woo-hoo! population. You're way better yeah. than we are. We're still and, we're stuck at 56. Uh, that, that's just first dose. Second dose, we are now at 53%. That's great. So you. things are changing. And uh, I had mentioned this before, um, and I know we're going to get to this a little later, but I might as well just have it now because I'm talking about second doses. With a lot of people that don't want to get vaccinated, I'm finding that um, – the people that have been pushing back of getting vaccinated are now being forced mm-hmm. to get vaccinated. And uh, I just wanted to give the example. I had a friend, uh, he and his kids were with family because things opened up here and everybody there was vaccinated, double vaccinated. They, they got both doses. Mm-hmm. So they were in the yard having a, a little family get together for the first time in a very long time. And another family member showed up who hasn't been vaccinated and who has been Uh, very vocal about that for quite some time. Well, it turned out a lot of people all of a sudden just got up and said, we're leaving. And that person that showed up said, why? They said, you can't, and they they were told, you can't be around our our kids or our family members because you're unvaccinated and we're not going to take that chance. When that person realized they weren't going to see their cousins, their grandkids, nothing anymore unless they got vaccinated the very next day they were in line to get vaccinated good for them i've got a feeling that quite a few of these uh naysayers are going to be forced to get Mm -hmm. their vaccine Mm -hmm. there are still going to be some who will fight it tooth and nail right to the end you know to whenever but i'm hoping that this 53 percent jumps up to you know 80 percent of people if not more you know based on pressure from family and friends. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll talk about this a lot more in a minute, yeah. but you're, you're absolutely right. The pressure from your colleagues, your family, your friends and others is really what's going to make a big difference for a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you for that, Alex. Yeah. So I, so I'm got my fingers crossed. We're heading in the right direction. Yes. You know, uh, both numbers, considering we were off to a very slow, confusing start, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we're heading in the right direction. And everybody I know now has two doses. That's so, great. Uh, I'm quite happy. My my bubble has expanded, but we're <laughs> we're, we're still careful. You know, we're, yeah. we're you know being we're, careful we're, is good. Being yeah. careful is good. I, I think there's still that uh, a little bit of uh, unease yet. Yeah. You know, of, uh, and 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 there should be, and everybody's going to hear from me about that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for that, Alex. So let me just say worldwide, uh, things are a mess. Uh, it really does depend on where you are. But I have clients in five continents, and I will tell you that my clients in Africa and Southeast Asia and South America are still the most impacted in the world. I've had 
In many countries, clients die who are under the age of 50. I've had many uh, clients where they've had lots of deaths in families. It is a mess out there. So those of us that are in countries that have vaccine, you are just, you don't understand how lucky you are. Um, blessings. It is a nightmare. And this is going to go on and it will have such a long term impact globally. And look at South Africa as a good example of that, the civil unrest that's being caused because people are not able to work, they're sick, they're dying. It's, I mean, this is going to have a cataclysmic effect to many, many developing nations, which will impact the world. Mm -hmm. um, you just can't sit in your ivory tower, whatever, you know, Western country you're in and think that well, that doesn't affect me. No, it does. Yeah, um, and this, I want to say, is that when the rest of the world is not vaccinated, that's where these variants are going to come from. So you can't sit in your ivory tower thinking like, whoa, okay, I don't care. Well, no, you better care because those variants move around. Look at Delta as an example from India, right? Yeah. And all the those variants too, mm -hmm. if I remember the list of countries, um, uh, Japan, South Africa, India, UK, and Brazil. Brazil. Mm -hmm. All of them pushed back, if I recall correctly, on um, COVID, it'll go away. It's not a right. big problem. All right. of them. And that's right. where the variants came from. So right. that, to your point, what you just said, that's where it's right. going to come from. Right. Yeah, it is a problem. And so I, I always say to people, as long as you have widespread transmission, we will continue to have variants. As long as we have variants, we're going to have a pandemic. And so this is going to continue. And that's what people really need to get. In America, people think that this is over. And the key thing that we've said this before when we've been together is that no one is safe until everybody is safe. And that is mm -hmm. the truth. There's yep. no way around that. And again, this is my pitch for vaccines is that COVID vaccines are safe. They are effective and they protect you. But I want people to think beyond you, me, they protect your family and your friends and your colleagues and your workplace and your nation. Yep. <laughs> I mean, let's have a little patriotism here. Get vaccinated. <laughs> And if we want to have whatever we think is normal as a way of life, the only way for us to do that is to actually get vaccinated. Yes. It's um, like I said before we started recording, um, maybe some people are going to get angry with me, but that's okay. Would we get the same pushback if this needle was to cure or stop uh, getting diabetes mm -hmm. or heart disease mm -hmm. or cancer? Mm-hmm. Would we have that same pushback? I don't think so. Right. And to that end, there's a lot of people who say, but it has side effects. And I would say every drug that you take has tons of side effects. But do people mm -hmm. ever look at that list and say, oh, my God, I could have a heart attack. I could have a stroke. You know, and then say, I'm not taking it. Uh, no. People take all kinds of things. Read the things for aspirin even. There are a yeah. zillion side effects. <laughs> And when you get medicine from your doctor, you know, sometimes it's saying you've got to take it with this. You've got to have it with that. You know, mm -hmm. don't uh, operate heavy vehicles or don't drive. Right. You know, right. there is right. some sort of, and, and that's coming straight from your doctor. Right. You may have for an ache in your arm, <laughs> you know, it's still, right. you know, a, a side effect. Right. So it's incredible. But on, on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking with Regina Phelps today, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you ready to hear from investors and get insight on different asset classes? Join host Troy Eckert for the program, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Troy works with high net worth investors and is ready to bring you the secrets he's learned in his 35 years of alternative investment experience, along with his guest experts. If you want value, you'll need to listen in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Regina Phelps, and we're getting lots of information regarding COVID-19 and the variants and all sorts of information. And I really hope some of this information helps change the minds of some of the uh, listeners and viewers out there to really look at this, you know, uh, bigger than what it is, because it is bigger than what many of us are seeing. Right, Regina? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the Delta variant is going to be the thing that's going to drive it home for a lot of people. Currently right now in the United States, and probably for Canada too, I haven't seen your stats on who's actually getting sick. This is actually a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yes. Now around the world, most a lot of people are unvaccinated, but in the state, in the countries that have vaccine, this is a pandemic of unvaccinated people. I saw a news piece yesterday when I came back from retreat about a person who was admitted to an ICU and was begging the ICU physician for the vaccine. Now I'll take the vaccine. And they said, well, it's too late. And they, in, and then shortly after that, they intubated this person, which means they put him on a ventilator. And then, you know, four days later, they died. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw know. that same piece and I, I went, you, you know, it, it's, I, I really feel for that person's family, you know, right. and, and friends, you know. And I hope they get vaccinated. I hope that's the best thing they could do is get vaccinated themselves, right? If they aren't. Yeah. If you wanted the honor, mem the memory of your friend that just passed, go get vaccinated. Right. Because look what happened to them. Right. Right. Well, you know, and this gets back to this is a different animal now. And this is why the it's such a big deal. And most people are not necessarily understanding that. They're thinking this is the coronavirus uh, that came out of Wuhan, uh, you know, in the beginning of 2020. No, this is a totally different animal. 
depending on which study you read, and now there are a lot more studies coming out because it's been highly circulating for about four months, is that it is in at least, actually, I, I didn't update, it's in 114 countries as of yesterday, and I didn't update this slide, that particular part of the slide. It's estimated as somewhere between 55 to be 80, 55 and 88% more infectious and more transmittable than the alpha variant, which came out of the UK, which made everybody go crazy. Mm -hmm. This is a much different animal. And so there's also all kinds of weird symptoms that are coming from Delta that are new, like hearing problems. And so, again, there's ACE2 receptors on your eustachian tube. So there could be some hearing related issue there. And of course, what you, how you hear is in your brain and of course, uh, neurological tissue. So there are things that are different about this. Um, it has also been shown to evade some antibody responses. So uh, the monoclonal antibodies are not as effective and it's also caused reinfection in people that have already been sick before and mm -hmm. it is causing more breakthrough infection, which means you are vaccinated, but you still get the disease. Now, what I would say to all of your listeners is, is that like you'll see this in Israel. If you look at the new documentation that's come over, over the last week, in Israel, they're showing that there's a large number of people that actually were vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine and actually did get the variant. Now, their case of coronavirus infection was very mild or even asymptomatic, but they still got sick. And that's called a breakthrough infection. Because remember that no vaccine is 100% perfect. And the vaccines that are currently in circulation were created for a virus that existed a year ago. That's not the true. Delta variant. And so that's why you're starting to see these breakthrough infections. Does that mean that you should not get vaccinated? The answer is no. Any vaccine you get, anyone you're offered. So if listeners hear this anywhere in the world and they're, or they're offered the Sputnik out of the Russian vaccine or, they're, or, or, or offered one of the ones like Sinovac from China, which are not as effective, take it anyway. Anything is better than nothing. And that's the overwhelming yep. thing I would say about this. It's like when yeah. you get cut. You know, before you make it to the doctors, you're already putting a towel or something on that cut. Right. You know, take that right now. You're not just going to walk around. Right. You know. At least you have something, right? Exactly. There's a term in the epidemiology world called r naught, and it basically talks about the, how communicable something is. And so every disease, is a, infectious disease, is attached an r naught figure. And so the original Wuhan virus that came out in uh, January 2020 started circulating was actually about a 2.4 to 2.6, which means that one infected person could infect two people. So that's how it started. And then when our, our first big mutation and the only one for all, almost all of 2020 occurred in March when it went to Europe and it went to a three. So one person could affect three people. So then alpha was the first big variant and that came out in November of the UK of last year. And it now changed to between four and five people. So one person affecting five. Okay, big change. Delta is now between five and eight and I've seen it as high as 10. So that is a big difference. So, you know, if you were to make a joke out of this, you know, when you walk into a bar, you know, what are your chances of getting infected? Well, you know, originally you could probably spend 30 minutes in the bar with a Wuhan virus and maybe 25 minutes with the European virus and maybe 15 minutes with the alpha virus. But with Delta, maybe you're in the bar for five minutes and you are already infected. Mm -hmm. so that's how people need to view this. And to give you a sense of how infectious other diseases are, the two most 
infectious diseases are mumps, which are, are 12 people, and the worst is measles, which one person can infect 18 people, which is mind-boggling. Currently, right now, Delta is about the same infectious rate as smallpox, which is the only disease we've successfully eradicated from the world, smallpox. Hmm. So I was on retreat, I know you, as I was talking to you about, and I went on my retreat on January 15th. I came back yesterday. Okay, just in the United States, this is what's happened. And this is a New York Times map. If you go to the New York Times uh, site and you go to their COVID stats, they produce a really wonderful selection of data every day. And I uh, screenshot a lot of it. And so I screenshotted the map before I left on the 15th. And I screenshotted this this morning, uh, which is the 23rd. And you can already see the differences in uh, what's lighting up in the United States. And currently right now, if you look to that Midwest, so you're looking at like Arkansas and Alabama and Louisiana and Florida and Texas are really the big hot states. And then also uh, Utah as well. Uh, and, and that's all what of those, seeing. correct me if I'm wrong, all of those have a very high percentage of people pushing back on getting the, the, uh, Absolutely. the vaccine and have a very, uh, a very large percentage of uh, people that um, are unvaccinated. Yeah, unvaccinated. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Louisiana has only got like 32% vaccine and the others are all in that category. Florida is a little bit higher, but still it actually is problematic as well. So the reason you are seeing these places light up, and I would say to any of your listeners, if you're in the United States, if you look at your vaccine rates in your area, that will tell you where the problems are going to be because the Delta variant is going to find people. Mm-hmm. And uh, all you need is one infectious person in a community, and now it just spreads. It's just like, you know, a, a drop of water uh, getting into a pond, and you see the ripples. That's exactly what's happening right now with bar- this particular variant. Now, I, when I got back from retreat, I've actually studied this site uh, several times. This is actually a site that I would recommend your uh, listeners go to. It's called the COVID Screening Modeling Hub. It's a consortium of a lot of different organizations, big universities in the United States, Johns Hopkins, et cetera. This different group was put together to help design modeling scenarios for the CDC. So this is being used at the top of the federal government in the United States. Now their forecast, by the way, changed quite a bit in the seven days I was on retreat. So I want you just to look at it for a minute. This is what they're forecasting is the possibility for the United States in the fall of this year. So as you can see, we're kind of in the, um, you know, kind of between uh, September, excuse me, um, June 25th, June 20th and August 15th. So we're in that July timeframe and you can see there's a little surge there. They're expecting that, that it will probably go down a little bit, but look at what's going to start to happen about the middle of October in the belief of this model, which is advising the CDC and the United States and their response that we're going to have a surge that will be reminiscent of January, December and January of last, this last year. Which was horrific. Which was horrific. And I want to remind people, this is going to be, unless we get a new variant, this is going to be a, va- this is going to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And what is happening already now in the United States is serious hospitalizations and ICU admissions in those red states that I showed you in that map just a moment ago. And they are not old people. They're not over 65. There are some frail, yes, mm-hmm. but they are unvaccinated people, very commonly ending up in an ICU that's between the ages of 30 and 60. 
Does this variant uh, impact uh, kids more? Because I, I don't know Good if you know the, the uh, there, there was a, a piece about a five-year-old that got COVID and passed away. And mm-hmm. that, w- that it's down in one of those areas mm-hmm. that are being mm-hmm. impacted right now. So I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, does the, the, the Delta variant impact children more than COVID before? They, from an infectious perspective, they have the greater opportunity to get sick, of course. So whether they get seriously ill, it's more than likely that the children that are actually getting seriously ill have some comorbidity. So that means they have some medical condition. The number one comorbidity is obesity. And then following that is kind of the host of things that you would imagine. Diabetes in particular is another really big one as far as an impact. Uh, but a look in the United States, we have... Uh, huge obesity problem. We have a huge problem with diabetes, often tied to obesity, but we have lots of issues with heart heart disease, which is another comorbidity that's a problem. So many of the people who are dying, uh, there are certainly some young, strong, athletic, thin people that are dying, but a lot of them have comorbidities. And there's a ton of those in the United States, you know, between, you know, from starting at the age of five. So that's the key thing is that you know, if you're not going to get vaccinated, I pray that you are a healthy person because your chances of getting sick are really good. Mm. So this gets back to one thing that people always ask me is, are there treatments for COVID? And sadly, there really are no treatments. So there are monoclonal antibodies. Uh, some of them are still working with Delta, but they're having to put two or three of them together to make it work. Uh, and so that treatment, which was very effective early on in the pandemic, is not as effective. Cortisone, it was very funny. And the reason I have this in here particularly is that I do a lot of work outside the U.S. And I, I gave this speech very recently to before I went on retreat to clients in Africa, where you can go into many place, countries, you can go into any drugstore and buy any drug, right? Not in the United States, but in, in many countries around the world. And, and people would go in and buy cortisone. And if you are listening and you're in a, in a part of the world where you can just buy any drugs in a drugstore, you do not want to take cortisone just simply because you were diagnosed with COVID. Because what cortisone will do, it's, it's, its main activity is to hamper the immune response. And during the first five to seven days of an infection, you want your immune response to just be giving it the big rip, right? You want to be mm-hmm. having everything work. But... When people get severely ill is around day seven or so, and that's when the immune response becomes overactive. It's called a cytokine storm. And that's what really ends up people being in hospitals, especially in ICUs. And that's when they give cortisone is because they want to tamp down the immune response, which is an overdrive and sending your body into complete crisis. But if you take it too early, you suppress the immune response, which you want early in the infection. The other drug that you see being used in many places around the world is, a, is actually a parasitic drug called uh, Ivermectin, which is produced by Merck. Uh, the WHO uh, is not giving it sufficient data yet to actually recommend it, but there are many places around the world that are using it, trying to see if it works. There are some studies that say it's effective and others saying it's not effective. And it's very much like in the in the category of, um, of the other drugs that uh, hydrochloric, 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 uh, which was talked about a lot oh, yeah, early yeah. on in the pandemic. So I can't uh, say that people should take that because no physicians or, or the WHO in particular, or the CDC are recommending it. But again, I've had clients in Africa taking it. Um, are we uh, running a, a risk of, as this Delta variant occurs, and you've listed a few different drugs here that people will just start taking anything to try? Oh, absolutely. To- Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. For lack of a better way of saying it, curing themselves. Yeah. 
I, and for example, in Africa, one of my clients in Kenya was saying that the Kenyan health department was recommending antibiotics, which do nothing for the coronavirus. Now, if you had a secondary bacterial pneumonia on top of all of that other stuff, it may help you. But I, what I, to your point, Alex, I think people are desperate. And so you're seeing all kinds of people taking all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, because they're desperate. Yeah. And that can do just as much uh, damage. Right. Absolutely. It can hurt you in other ways. You may never get, uh, hopefully, never get COVID or the Delta variant or any variant, but you could destroy a part of yourself by just taking these drugs. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's stop and then we'll continue on with vaccines. How's that? That sounds good. So we're going to take a break. We're talking with Regina Phelps today and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Say It Stillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you found your organization's North Star? Strategy execution is important to the long-term success of your business. Now you can find out if your strategy execution is working or if you can improve it. Listen to the North Star with William Ulrich. Each program can show you where things are working and where you might be falling short. Once you've identified the best strategy, we can identify how to implement it and make it work for you. Tune in Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. We are talking with Regina Phelps about all things coronavirus and the Delta variant. Uh, Regina, uh, do you want to talk about some of the coronavirus vaccines and some of the myths that are out there? Yeah. I do. Thank you. So um, on the vaccines, I just want to quickly talk about this. Uh, There's basically five different kinds of technologies. Everybody in the United States and Canada is probably thinking about, oh, only mRNAs. But there are many different other types that are being used around the world. And there are many still in production. And so um, 
that's what I want, I want people to understand is that if you look at the slide for a minute, there are currently right now 50 vaccines in phase one trial, 37 and two, 32 and three. So there's still a lot of vaccines that are coming through. So you're, this is a short list right now of that are being currently used in the world, but there are a lot of other vaccines coming. So now if you get offered a vaccine tomorrow and you're any place in the world, take it, take it. And then if there's another one that comes along later on and you like that one, take that one. But uh, the idea is that the mixing and matching they've decided is okay. But the uh, key thing now is just to get vaccinated. All of vaccines are two doses with the exception of one, which is the J&J. So this is a two dose disease that you're gonna be planning on, okay? As far as the vaccine rollout, this is as of this morning, this is from the Bloomberg tracker, which I know I've shared with your audience before. And as you can see, actually, there's about uh, looking at 179 countries, there's about 31 million doses uh, being given a day, which sounds like a lot, but when you have 8 billion people, it's gonna take a long time. In the United States, uh, we were, we're now we're just crawling along. We were you know, up as much as 2 million doses a day. Now we're down to only a half a million doses a day, which is really uh, tragic and as far as I'm concerned. The, um, again, the map of the United States for those people that are uh, US centric. And if you just stop and look at this, you can see all of the places where you're gonna see things light up uh, in a big way. And even though my state, California has a very high vaccine rate, down in Southern California, they are just being overrun because there are big pockets of unvaccinated people, even though in my state, I think we're at 65% or something. Um, but, but you have pockets of unvaccinated people and that's still going to occur. But you can stop and see, you know, Idaho, Wyoming, all the Southern states we talked about. And even Florida, which has a, a fairly decent vaccine rate, is having a huge problem with the Delta variant because there are big pockets of unvaccinated people. So that's what people have to be thinking about. Now, as far as the benefits, I always wanna really talk about why it's important to get vaccinated. Um, it reduces your chance of infection. It's not perfect, but it reduces your chance of infection. Even with the first shot, you start to see a production of antibodies. But for all of these vaccines that are two doses, you have to have the two doses. The studies about Pfizer show that if you only get one dose of the Pfizer vaccine and the Delta variant is present, it's only going to protect you about 33% of the time. If you get both doses, it jumps to 88%. That is a huge difference. It's really huge. It also protects you against serious illness and death and hospitalizations. And so if you look at who's admitted right now in the nation of Canada, if you look at who's admitted in the United States, it's unvaccinated people. And they're the ones getting innovated. They're the ones that are in the ICUs. Um, and that's a big deal. Yep. Uh, it's going to protect you from long COVID, which we're not going to have time to talk about. And we'll talk about next time. But long COVID is an awful disease. Uh, the, the, the official medical diagnosis name now is post-acute sequela of COVID-19. But we all know it as long covid that's a serious illness. It impacts people in a zillion ways. And frankly, if I didn't, wasn't compelled about the serious illness and death to get vaccinated, I would be compelled by not wanting to get long COVID, which impacts kids all the way up to people, you know, in their later years. It's a huge issue. It will also help if you are a woman who is pregnant. Uh, it will also help protect your unborn baby and your newborn, because if you're nursing, you'll be actually 
transmitting those antibodies through the milk and the breast, uh, which is fabulous. Uh, there's a lot of people that say, I, I don't want to um, get vaccinated because I'm afraid that if I'm pregnant, it's going to cause a problem. There have been no studies, none that show that the vaccine is detrimental to women who are uh, pregnant uh, or lactating. Now, I will also say here that I've seen all kinds of squirrely websites talking about, oh, I got the vaccine and I had a miscarriage. Well, in the United States, as in many parts of the world, about 20% of pregnancies every year actually end in miscarriages. Miscarriages are extremely common. So the miscarriage rate in the United States is not any higher than it has ever been. And I have not studied other countries, but I would bet it's the same. Women often miscarry. So that's another thing I would say to you is don't stop getting a vaccine because you think you're going to get pregnant. Uh, the vaccine will help eventually help us get rid of our masks. Well, so far in the United States it has, but... <laughs> <laughs> it may come back. Uh, and there are many places right now in my state which are now starting to require masks again. Why? Because, you know, when you walk into it, maybe the same in Canada, when you walk into a place and it says, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, but they don't see your vaccine card. They don't know your history. Do you think, Alex, just by chance, there might be somebody who's unvaccinated that would go into a restaurant or a bar or a store and not wear a mask? Oh, just a big chance. <laughs> Very big chance. Yeah. So if you just require everybody to wear a mask, then you get, get over that. Now, does that mean that the people that are vaccinated have to do a little bit more? Yes. But is that okay? In my mind, it's perfectly okay. I don't want to get ill, even if it's asymptomatic. I don't want to have anything that I could avoid because I was wearing a mask. And then lastly, just as you talked about just a moment ago, about allowing people to reconnect with family and friends. I, I have had friends over for dinner uh, for over the last two months. It's just such a weird thing to have a guest for dinner. And the first question I ask every one of my friends, whether they're more of a casual friend or somebody I've known for years, is that I always want to know are you're vaccinated. You know, I, I'd love to have your uh, wife and husband or your, you and your, you know, whatever, um, over are you vaccinated? And if they say no, it's like, well, you know, when you got vaccinated, I'd love to have you guys over. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to yeah. socialize with people that aren't vaccinated face-to-face. -face. I'll Zoom with you all day long, but I'm not going to get in the same room with you. Yeah. Would you do that with someone who's got the flu or a really bad cold? No. Right. Oh, well, let's reschedule until you're better, right? Right. I mean, that's so much how I feel. And yeah. I apologize if I, you know, insult anybody, but, you know, I'm, the risk is not worth it to me. Now, quickly, I want to start talking about the myths because I think we only have a few minutes left and I want to just cover some of these and there's a lot of them. But what I want to say is that these are the most common ones that I get asked all the time. Vaccines don't work on the variants. That's not true. They work. They're not as effective in some cases, but they work. Vaccines are not safe because they've been developed and tested and put together quickly. That is not true. The mRNA technology has been around for about 30 years, and there have been vaccines that have been produced with it commercially in the last 10. Why haven't we seen lots of mRNA vaccines? Because vaccines generally are not a very sexy topic unless somebody uh, has a disease that is widespread. So there are currently right now vaccines for Ebola. There's vaccines for Zika that are mRNAs. 
But how much of that is around the world? Not much. So Mm. it's not a very commercially available product. There are also research in vaccines for cancer with mRNA. Same thing. This particular success of the coronavirus vaccine will all of a sudden, I think, really enable other vaccines for other illnesses that you're going to start seeing in the years to come. And there's already many that are already being looked at. One of my favorites is number three. There's a microchip in the vaccine being used to control the population. That <laughs> it is funny, right? But you'd be surprised. People will believe it. Um, that's because uh, Bill Gates who of course uh, was the founder of Microsoft, is a huge funder in public health. And somehow he, like me, has been talking about pandemics for years. And somehow somebody just casually mentioned one day, well, it must be because Gates has got something in this, right? He's making money off of this. That's why he talks about pandemics. And so then all of a sudden that turned to a chip and a vaccine, which of course is not true. Hmm. I've tested positive and I don't need the vaccine. That's not true either. If you've been infected with the coronavirus, you may not have much durable immunity, which means that you produced antibodies, but they may not be very robust and your antibody level may have fallen. So when you have a previous illness and you have a two-dose vaccine, most groups, most places in the world only give you one dose because they're building on the one you already have. And it gives you quite a big push. The vaccine has severe side effects. Uh, There are very common side effects, fatigue, chills, sometimes fever, a sore arm. Um, I felt like hell for the first day after both of my um, vaccines. I felt like I got hit by a truck and like I got sick. I was sick, but I wasn't. Um, Did you have any side effects from yours? I was uh, just really tired Mm -hmm. the first day and then that was it. Completely fine after that. Pretty small price to pay. Yep. Don't you think? Yeah, I was fine. I was just happy to get the shot. Yeah, I'm in the same group. Uh, Once I'm vaccinated, I don't need to wear a mask. Well, yes and no. I'd say it really depends on what's happening in your part of the world. The mask is a locally um, um, uh, induced um, uh, situation where a Department of Public Health in any community worldwide has the authority to ask you to wear a mask or tell you to wear a mask. Uh, And so just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you automatically can be maskless. Uh, The vaccine will kill and harm people. Uh, It has had some side effects where there have been deaths. So you've seen the J&J vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine. There has been associated blood clots in a tiny, 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 small number of people. They have actually now isolated what that causes. And there are things that they can do that it will help prevent anybody having serious impacts. There's also been some cardiac inflammation in younger men in particular uh, with the vaccine. And that's been, again, a very, very small amount of people in the billions of people that have actually had this vaccine. Uh, It won't alter your DNA. I already talked about that earlier. Um, COVID vaccines can give you COVID. No, they can't. There's no live virus in it. For a vaccine to give you COVID, any disease, it has to have a live, not a dead virus in it, a live one. Uh, polio, in some places in the world, when they give a polio vaccine in Africa in particular, sometimes it's partially activated, which means that there is a chance you can get the disease. None of these uh, vaccines for the coronavirus use any live virus. It's all dead in the ones that are using virus. For MRA, they don't have any virus in it at all. It's all artificially created. 
There's a few more. Um, one of my favorites, which is widely all over the internet, is that it can make you infertile or impotent. And that is not true. That is not true. Um, and we can talk a lot about that. It contains fetal tissue. It does not contain fetal tissue. Uh, the research that was done to create the vaccines used an initial cell, cell system that had fetal tissue in it. But the vaccines do not have fetal tissue and what you, is making them does not have fetal tissue. Uh, if I get through one more, it will, it will protect you for life against COVID. We don't know that. We may need boosters. Uh, people with pre-existing conditions cannot take the vaccine. That's not true. And people with compromised immune system can't have it. That's not true either, but you should always check with your doctor. And I think that's it. Those are all my myths. Did I make uh, it in time? Well, we're a little bit over, but I, I think this this episode, uh, I think a lot of people have to listen and pay attention to this episode. Uh, there is so much information here, uh, and hopefully it will push people to act smarter and think smarter and, and do the right thing going forward. Mm-hmm. So I really thank you for all the information you, you pulled together. Um, I know we've talked some of this over the recent months, but this one is very compact and I really hope people pay attention to this. Regina, thank you very much for all of this information that you put together for us. As always, Alex, it's a pleasure. And to everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everyone. (laughs) 